Welcome to the Mobilized Podcast. We equip Christ followers to boldly and courageously live mobilized in their faith, purpose, and life. Let's join James and Nicole. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Mobilized Podcast, episode 35. 35. Can you believe we're at 35 already? Where has the time gone? I know it, right? If this is our first time meeting, I'm Nicole, here with my husband. I'm James. Yay! We love, love, love equipping Christ followers to confidently and courageously live mobilized in faith, purpose, and life. That is what we're all about. And so a couple weeks ago, or maybe about a week ago, on my social media, if you don't already follow me, it's at Nicole C. Chavez. Don't forget the H, because... Mm-hmm. Yeah, got to be a little crazy in that. I didn't For name myself. For almost 27 years, right? I've been correcting people. It's oh Nicole, and I see H-O-L-E. Why? Just why? You want to hear <laughs> something funny? Had to be funny? different. Right. You want to hear something funny? I asked my mom, why did you add the H? She's like, I didn't add the H. <laughs> what? Who added the H? She's like, I don't know. I think what? there's some... Uh, like natal care nurse somewhere in Albuquerque, New Mexico, where yeah. you were born, that just had the random idea like, yeah, this is cool. Let's just do it. Let's add the H. <laughs> Filled out the application for the birth certificate. No one knew the wiser. Right. And not only that, but I didn't know this until I was like in middle school that I had an H in my name. Yes. I spelled it N-I-C-O-L-E all the way to middle school. I saw my birth certificate and there was an H on there. And I was like, wait, What? <laughs> So from then on out, I added the H, and it has been... Talk about an identity crisis. <laughs> identity theft is not a joke, it's Jim. It's not a joke. <laughs> that's for the Office oh my fans. gosh, that's funny. Okay, back to social media. On social media... You got a follower, because it is phenomenal. This is a great resource, the podcast, but she gives so many nuggets of wisdom and truth and encouragement on Instagram, Facebook... YouTube, you name it, you got to follow her. Nicole C. Chavez, check it out, follow, and engage because you will be blessed. Uh, it's such a blast. And on social media, if, if you've been around for any amount of time, you know that I encourage women to unapologetically and boldly live their faith out loud. And I say encourage because on social media, that's all you can really do, right? You can only encourage on there. There's only so far you can go but off of social media. And mobilize our ministry, that's where we get to equip. The rubber meets the That's road. where we get to equip Christ followers. And so I asked on, I think, Instagram and Facebook, I asked, what what would you like us to talk about mm-hmm. in our upcoming podcast? What What's the big topics that Dangerous you would like? Dangerous question. Oh my goodness, was it? Mm-hmm. I'm really excited about it. And some of it's very challenging because I think I know what I believe, you know, <laughs> but like we had to really dig into it, right? Yes. I was hoping for questions like, why is the sky blue? <laughs> no, not me. I don't know. <laughs> I'm glad it's an easy one for you. It is not for me. <laughs> I paid attention in science class. <laughs> That's funny. But these are some deep spiritual truths, some yeah. some hard questions that Absolutely. people wrestle with. And I, I'm, I was so encouraged to see so many people engage and, yeah. and ask these great questions. Yeah, me too. And one of the... the Questions we have that we wanted to tackle first because it is right in line with what we teach constantly all the time. One of our favorite, favorite, favorite topics to talk about it was this, the current events going on in this world and how to, as a child of God, stand up for your faith and beliefs. Mm. That's a great question. Yes. 
it also is something we love answering, yes. right? We love this. We love this one. Um, so there's a couple ladies that asked this, a bunch of you that liked those, liked that question. So we thought we'd start off there because it goes right in line with mobilized in faith. It's a mobilized in faith kind of topic all the way. Love it. All right. And let's be honest, we are living in unique times. Now, let me rephrase that. We're living in unique to us times, right? <laughs> this is literally the first time we've ever lived this day. <laughs> Correct. But I say unique to us because it's been evil since the beginning of time. Yes. Nothing's truly unique. The enemy is a great strategist. He knows exactly what to bring us up against, what evil works time and time again. It's tried and true. He's put it in front of us. We fall for it over and over again. Yeah. The only difference, there is a difference though, and that's how we handle it. Mm -hmm. So throughout time, same exact sin on repeat over and over and over like a broken record. Mm -hmm. But how Christians react to it has been different time and time again. So this is a little bit like the old adage, you know, you can't do the same thing over and over and expect a different result. That's insanity. We actually have to do something different if we want a different result. Looks like it. Wow. Turns out you really do. Turns out you do. You're a genius. So the difference is how we as Christians handle it. We either go with the flow of the world, which we have seen time and time again throughout history, or we don't. We make a stand, which we've seen time and time again throughout history. And now it's our turn. Mm. It's our turn to make a decision. So James and I sat down and and discussed some ways, some three basic reasons why people go with the flow. Yeah. And and just to, from the onset, this is not an exhaustive list, obviously. Um, but really, as we boiled down the questions, found the similarities, we really looked at some really common themes, these three things that really seem to be woven through um, everything that we kind of came up with as we mm-hmm. looked at it. And, and the first one is very simple. It's fear. Yep. We're afraid, right? Uh, the Bible talks about fear so much. There's a reason why it says fear not so many times because yes. we're a fearful people. We're yep. afraid of social persecution. We're Which afraid we of, just talked about, by the way, in our last did, podcast. And episode 34, check we it sure out if did. you haven't listened. We're afraid of actual persecution. There mm-hmm. are parts of the world, and I don't know where you're listening, but there are real consequences for proclaiming a faith in Jesus. Absolutely. Uh, maybe it's just losing friends or family, right? Mm-hmm. That's real right now. That, uh, uh, Gosh. I almost went very political on us, but <laughs> we are being encouraged by outside forces to actually devalue the mm-hmm. family and yes. your your social close circle, the people that you normally rely on, mm-hmm. so that you're isolated and then you're forced to connect with their chosen community for support. Mm-hmm. So turning your back on friends and family, and we saw that beginning with you know two or three years ago, not being able to gather for Thanksgiving and Christmas or worship on Easter, mm-hmm. all a tactic to keep us afraid and isolated. Um, being passed over for a job promotion or just being ostracized, you know, as we, again, talked about, not to be repetitive, but we, we spent some time on our last episode talking about it, just right. not being able to be invita- invited to the cool parties. Right. I mean, people stop afraid. talking when you walk in the room. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Wait, what were you talking about? Was it me? 
<laughs> and so uh, fear, that's a, that's a big one. Yeah. That, and that drives more of what we do than we would like to admit. Right. Fear. I mean, we're afraid of the unknown. We're afraid of things most of the time that aren't even going to happen. Mm-hmm. Some things are real. And mm-hmm. fear is a, it's a powerful tool. It's a powerful weapon. And sometimes it's weaponized against us. Sometimes it protects us. But yep. it, you can't ignore that it's a huge factor. I think fear too, because we're watching other people who are doing what we think we should be doing or mm-hmm. want to do being shut down, mm-hmm. being silenced, yes. being um, their bank accounts being closed. Yeah. They're doing everything we we know we should be doing, yeah. but they're paying the consequences for it. So we're like, oh, Ooh. maybe not. Maybe not so much. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so that kind of brings me to, to my second one is mm-hmm. a lazy faith. Mm-hmm. Um, fear yeah. kind of keeps us. We see, like, like you said, somebody doing what you want to do. And then you think, gosh, okay, maybe I'm going to hop on that. And then you see the cost that they pay mm-hmm. and you think, oh, not so much. I'm afraid of that, right? right? And so that leads us into a laziness in our faith, a complacency. It's too much work. Maybe let somebody else do it. Maybe the professional Christian, maybe that person is equipped to it. Maybe they have the spiritual gift to endure persecution. <laughs> Just so you know, that's not a spiritual gift. Correct. We all have the privilege to endure persecution. <laughs> but that leads us to a lazy faith. Yeah. And and that's a big problem, right? Yeah, let somebody else do it. Yeah. Normally we show up to church and think, well, that's the pastor's job or that's the staff's job. Yes. I mean, that's what they're paid to do, right? Yeah, Their job trained, is to do they're it. They're equipped. And that's what, I mean, we put money in the offering so that they'll go fight our battles. <laughs> Let me just sit on the couch right. and watch the news and be upset about it and suffer in silence. But not do anything about it myself. Right. Correct. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and the third reason is they just don't know better because they don't know their Bible. Oy. Right? That's, yep. I mean... And that's one that you address all the mm-hmm. time in your, yeah. your studies and know your God, know your enemy, mm-hmm. help people know the Bible, mm-hmm. know what God has for them. I mean, mm-hmm. you've, you've written a, a book, your first published study was called Journey to Purpose, right. helping people understand why God has taken them on the path that they're on and what he wants them to do about it. Right. And again, I think so many people have a social media faith. You know, they don't really dig into the Bible. Yes. They get their theology from Instagram reels and mm-hmm. TikTok and maybe a Twitter feed <laughs> right. now and then. Maybe, you know, YouTube has shorts now because we don't have the attention span to watch a full service online. So, you know, we'll watch these little bursts and right. somebody's got a, a quick little hook and it's like, oh, yeah. wow, that was good. You know, you right. got to really, uh, you know, whatever it is. I, I was going to channel my T.D. Jakes, but I, I do a poor impression. So, <laughs> And not to disparage T.D. Jakes, but you, you know what I'm saying. These pastors, they, they've got a great little hook. You retweet that because yeah. it feels good. And then that's how you build the basis of what you believe of God and what he wants you to do when you're faced with opposition and how you deal with perceived persecution. Right. And that's a big deal. And so we, we have to dig in and know the Bible, right? So there are some things that we can do to stand up for our faith, right? Absolutely. Just to piggyback just a little bit of what you said about not knowing better, I think um, there's a lot of Bible illiteracy out there. Yeah. The Bible's the number one book ever sold. Yes. Number one. And yet, probably the least read book (laughs) ever. Yes. It's a complete Bible illiteracy. So people don't even know what's in it. Right. So the world says... But they have an opinion about it. But they have a huge opinion. The world says this is what's right. Oh, okay. And then the church says, they go to church and the pastor says, nope, this is what's right. Okay. Why don't I just find something in between? Yeah. 
doesn't work that way. It yeah. doesn't work that way. The Bible is the ultimate truth. And if we don't know what's in it, mm-hmm. then we don't know what we're even standing for, yeah. what we believe. We're just being told what we believe versus reading the word of God and knowing what God says and believing what God says to right. be true. Yeah. So, and, and I think a lot of people too, when it comes to the Bible, um, we say this is our beliefs, but I think it's better said, this is what I believe because we're not writing our beliefs. Mm-hmm. We're we are not coming up with our beliefs. We're believing what God said. So this is what I believe versus this is what I say is mm-hmm. a belief. Like you've established the Like creed. you've established right. it. Right, right. I yeah. think it's so important. Also, it takes the responsibility and weight off your shoulders too. Yeah. It takes it all off. So you have a problem with it, fight with God. Mm. Tell God. Not Don't tell problem. me. <laughs> not my problem. I'm just the messenger. Yes. Yeah. But and, yeah. and knowing the Bible is so important. And I, th- one of the things I love, and I'll, I'll toot Nicole's horn, but she's created a program called Mobilize Her. And mm-hmm. really, that's the foundation of the first s- module as you go through it, is this mm-hmm. biblical literacy to understand more about the Bible that we're basing our eternity on right. and unpacking it and understanding in a comprehensive way these complex principles that, again, if you don't get a quick little hit on Instagram that helps you kind of carry it around, you just kind of walk around like, I don't get it. She talks about it being like a cloud. You just, mm-hmm. you can't seem to grab it. It's all around you, but man, I can't put my hands on it. And this program is phenomenal. And she opens it up a few times a year um, for people to subscribe and join the the program and be part of this community. Mm-hmm. And in fact, it's coming up pretty soon. So yeah. if you haven't already, go to mobilized.life. And check it out. There's a button there, Mobilize Her. You can read more about it, see what it's all about. Join on the wait list so you're the first one that gets the opportunity to join the next time that opens up. But that is a great tool to know the Bible because that is a huge problem, just not knowing the Word of God. Absolutely. So then we're going to go through six points here of things we can do to stand up for our faith. And and these are points that we can just explain and talk about, but uh, immobilize her, actually equip, Mm. actually equip you, put tools in your hand, in your heart, and in your mind. Uh, So absolutely, go to mobilize.life, look for mobilize her, join that wait list. Uh, uh, So number one, number one, how can, uh, what can we do to stand up for our faith? Have faith. Mm. What? <laughs> what? Yeah, have faith. She <laughs> just dropped the mic. You couldn't see her, but she just literally dropped the mic. So <laughs> profound. Yeah. You have to know God. Yes. You have to have a relationship with him. If you want to stand strong as a child of God, stand up for your faith, stand up for your beliefs, for the beliefs that God has put in place and planted in our hearts and in our minds. Yeah. You have to know what those are. Yeah. It cannot be a, a surface level faith. Like James said, a social media faith. <laughs> you got to know God. You have to have a relationship with him. And nowadays, all you really have to say is you're a Christian yes. to make people uncomfortable yes. around you. That's, That's right. all you have to do. Yeah. That's all you have to do. We send, We tend to think like... You have to preach a sermon. Right. Right. <laughs> yes. No, your life... Preaches the sermon. Now, when you take on the mantle of Christian, yeah. that preaches a whole sermon. Yeah. That preaches a whole sermon, which which brings us to also the second thing we can do, a, an actual tangible out loud thing you can do. Um, let's see, vote, mm. speak, yeah. act. 
If you live in a country where you I'm not have supposed those to just freedoms, isolate and pray that it gets better. No. Wow. No. Okay. Freedom is a responsibility. Yeah. Having the right to vote is a responsibility. Yeah. We can't just say we hate all these things and then not vote or vote for the things that we say we hate. Yeah. We have to start thinking about voting in a spiritual, through spiritual eyes, right? Yes. Spiritual ears. Not just what we like, what we don't like, what we feel like that day. We don't like what they wear, what they look like, how they talk, any of those things. Or what's in it for me. Or what's in it for me. Ouch. That's how so many social views and policies get shaped. Uh, I don't know how this lines up with the Bible and theology, but it benefits me around tax time. It benefits Mm. my business. It benefits me socially. It benefits the people I hang out with. Whatever the reason, but you find an incongruence with the Word of God. That's where you need to pause And again, in some countries that maybe you're listening to this, this is not applicable because you don't have the privilege of voting. But in several places around the world, you do have the ability to speak up and let your voice be heard. And so you got to make sure that you actually leverage that wisely and align it with God's word and with the convictions that he's placed inside of you as a Christ follower. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, move on to a third one is to care, but don't validate you got to care about what's going on, care about the person. You can love the person and not validate or support their choices. And that's where I think our culture has really sold us a bill of lies yep. right now. And the enemy is so wise. He, mm-hmm. he, he wraps up sin and destructive behaviors in wrapping paper of truth, good intentions, compassion, tolerance, love, and... So it looks right, and you think, well, yeah, I, I should be about that. I mean, there's a whole, like, campaign, love wins. Right. Well, I, I agree with that. I mean, God is love. He loved us so much. He sent Jesus to die for us, to become sin for us, so that we would not be separated from him. Love is powerful. God is love. He's extravagant in his love. But they package validating sinful lifestyles and choices in a cloak of love. Mm -hmm. And so it leads to confusion. Right. Love the person because God loved them enough in their sinful condition. While we were still sinners, Christ Christ died died for us, for Mm -hmm. me, for that person that you're picturing, that you're struggling with, that is so entrenched Mm -hmm. in their poor decisions or just, you know, a lifestyle that separates them from God. But you don't have to support that. You don't have to accept or validate that to be a good person, a godly person, or again, right now, it's to be relevant and to gain influence into their life so Mm -hmm. I can evangelize. Right. And so you see a lot of compromises. Mm -hmm. That's not what the gospel is all about. Right. It doesn't change. It doesn't shape or shift to take on the shape and the the look of culture. Mm -hmm. You got to care about the person, but don't validate or support their choices. Right. And that's tough, right? That is that is tough. It because the world has also made it one the person and the sin. Yes. Have made them one, not two separate things. And really for the first time in modern history. Right. It used to be if you were were a sinner or committed a sin, you kind of hid it. Right. You're like if I cheat on my spouse, I don't take out a full page ad and 
write it on my line of clothing right. and have a whole day or a month celebrating it and throw right. a parade. Right. I'm embarrassed. Right. I did it and I'm ashamed and I kind of hope I don't get caught. Right. And now suddenly it's, no, I'm not a person that commits a sin. I am this sinner. It right. is who I am. And right. so when you intertwine the identity of the sin with the person committing it, now you can't separate it. Now that's how they say, look, you're attacking me as a person. You're hateful. You're bigoted. When that's not the case at all. It's the sinful choice that we're saying God has a better plan for you. He, right. This is not his design. And that, that's really it. But you're, you hit it right on the head. They've interwoven them in a way that we have never had to deal with before, which makes it so much more complicated. Right. Because it's like, I mean, it's like brain surgery. Mm-hmm. Picture all the the nerves and arteries and different things all tangled. Like, how do you untangle that to get to the root of something? It's it's serious. I mean, and it's a it's a delicate process, but you got to do it. You got to separate the two. Absolutely. And that's the where enemy, the conversation starts. He knows this. Yes. He knows this. He's strategic, as we're going to read a scripture here pretty soon. He's strategic. And he knows that if he can trip us up by saying, I'm going to make this one instead of two. Yeah that I can either sway you to turn on your beliefs Mm -hmm. in favor of quote-unquote love, yes, or I can turn you into the enemy. Yes. Either way, the Christian loses. Yes. It's a lose-lose. It is, if you play by his rules. If you play by his rules. Yes. Exactly. But, But we don't play by his rules. No. And neither does God. No. So we know that there's a fix for this. There is. There's a fix, and we're going to get to that. Go ahead, James. And that really leads into the fourth thing, right. is don't expect non-believers to act like believers. We have this expectation, and that's, you know, we try and legislate morality and pass yes. judgment. And and then it, when, when we do that, it's a slippery slope, because now we find the immoral acting as the moral authority oh, in goodness. our culture. Yes. And they're the ones condemning Christians for not being moral, moral, like they have the moral high ground. What right. in the world has happened here? Right. It's so upside down. Black is white and up is down. Right. But here's the deal. It's because we're expecting them to act like believers. They don't play by that standard. They don't have the Holy Spirit inside of them. Right. They've, they've shunned and turned down the volume of his voice mm-hmm. in their life, drawing him, mm-hmm. and they've rejected Christ. So anything short of a conversion with a full surrender to Jesus is simply behavior modification. Right. That does nothing and it doesn't last. If I say in my own power, gosh, I just want to be better at blank. Well, I can do it as long as I have the strength to do it. Mm-hmm. But guess what? I'll run out of the strength because mm-hmm. I am not strong enough. And mm-hmm. in the, the, the situation of the soul, the spirit, the mind, morality, we absolutely do not have the strength. We have all fallen short of God's perfect standard. Mm-hmm. That's why we need a Savior. So don't hold them to that standard. That's the best way to lose the argument before you've even started. That's right. Because then, I mean, you're not getting anywhere. Right. So don't even go there. Yeah, we get so angry. Yes. And it is a lot of anger because I think we don't know what else to do with it. Yeah. We don't know what else to do but be angry because we're watching it. And it's it's not just making our world worse. It's making our lives hard. Yeah. And so we lash out at that. Yes. We just get angry. And so we focus on uh, the what's happening. And we're like, okay, you're supposed to act yes. like this. The Bible yes. says, and yes. they're like, I don't believe in your God. <laughs> so why does that yes. why does that matter to me? Yeah. We're like, no, but you have to. Yeah. 
I don't have to do anything. Look, it says right here it in my book. It says it in the Bible. I don't care about your Bible. How? How do I do this? Yeah. We're expecting an unbelieving world to act like believers. Yeah. And it's an unrealistic expectation because let's be honest, believers barely act like believers. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard. But trying to change someone's behavior to make things comfortable for us, yeah. not going to happen. And scripture even says not to hold unbelievers to a standard right. that believers are held to. So right. don't try and force something. That's just legalism. It, right. God didn't hold us to that standard, and we shouldn't hold people to that standard. Right. So just cast that aside, and that'll save you a lot of frustration and maybe even make you a friend or two along the way. Exactly, which, which is number five. Don't argue about sin when they haven't accepted Jesus. Yeah. Don't argue about the sin. We love to focus on behavior modification. Yes. So we want we want people to do the right thing just to do the right thing. But I'm going to let you in on a little secret. There's no extra credit for that. <laughs> if they don't believe in Jesus, they don't get extra credit and they get like a toe into heaven for it. Mm. They still go to hell. That goes back to the hitting Peter up at the pearly gates and right. I was I was a good person. I was a good person. Yeah. Yeah. I changed my ways. I did everything the Christian told me to do yeah. or not to do. So I should be let in, right? Mm-hmm. We focus so much on the sin and not the soul. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we need to start focusing on the soul. Yeah. On them accepting Jesus. So there's no point in fighting over the sin and about the sin with an individual. Very different than the vote. Very different than when we have the opportunity. To, to stop abortion pills or mm. <laughs> abortions altogether or gay marriage or all the things, right? That's yeah. very different. The vote is very different. But when you're face-to-face with a person, yeah. behavior modification should not be anywhere in there. Yeah, Nowhere at all. It's all about leading them to Jesus. Jesus will do the rest. The Holy Spirit will do the rest. But it's all about leading them to Jesus because there is no extra credit mm. for behavior modification. And the last thing is, God has put eternity in the hearts of people. Mm. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, He has planted eternity in the human heart. And for me, when I read the scripture years ago, and I I shared this um, and taught on it in my Mobilize Her group, is when you're sharing Jesus with somebody, you're not looking at their sin. You're not looking at modification, behavior modification, Stare straight into the spot, stare like hyper-focus on the spot in their heart that God has planted there that shows them the reality of eternity, Mm -hmm. heaven and hell, because he's put it there. He's put it there. So when you look at someone, you're not looking at their behavior, you're not looking at their looks, you're not looking at how they act or don't act, what comes out of their mouth. You're looking to the spot in their heart that God planted there. Yes. You're saying... I want to tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about Jesus. Well, let me just tell you what Jesus has done for me. Mm -hmm. Let me just tell you what Jesus has done for me. And all the while in the back of your mind, you're saying, God, just like an arrow straight to that spot in their heart. And it softens things inside of you. Yes. Knowing that God's also on the other side in them working on it, saying, I planted that there. Mm -hmm. I just need someone to come in and speak to it because he's chosen to use us. Yes. He's chosen to use us. And we talked a little bit about that last week, right? Some yes. of us have that that um, place in our minds where we're like, well, if God's so great, why doesn't he just do it? Yeah. He chose us to do that. It is our privilege yeah. 
yeah. to do that. So instead of looking at the sin, look at the soul. That's good. And know that God has already planted eternity in their hearts. Yes. And that's the spot we're speaking to. That's the place we're speaking to. It's the place I, I'm like, I'm visual and in my imagination, I, I was just telling you that when I write, mm-hmm. um, it, I don't see words. I see like images yes. and I type out <laughs> what I see in my mind. Yes. And so when I talk about that, when I read this scripture, it was just so clear in my mind. I had this image in my mind that when I look at someone, it's almost like this heart-shaped hole mm. and that's where Jesus is or this cross-shaped hole mm. and, and that's where eternity has been planted and, and that's what I'm talking to. That's good. That right there. Yeah. So maybe if you needed some imagery, that will help you out. <laughs> And that helps also. I mean, we we use phrases like "see them the way God sees them," right? Not not through our eyes, but through the eyes of the one who was willing to send his best for our worst, right? Someone who loves them beyond sees value in the person that cut you off in traffic, the person right. that votes differently than you, the person that espouses such horrible, horrible venom on social media. Mm-hmm. He sees value in them enough mm-hmm. to send his best. That's shocking, mm-hmm. but you can only see it when you're looking at that place in their spirit, in right. their heart, that has that eternity in it Right. Um, that's from God. Right. And so, yeah, that's another great image that, that really helps you humanize people, because that's another tool that the enemy and culture is yes. using right now, is dehumanizing people so you can see them as enemies, yes. um, as less than, mm-hmm. and easier to attack, and mm-hmm. we have to tear that down. Um see them not only just as human, but as the the crown jewel in the creator's, you know, creation, the right. apple of his eye, mm-hmm. um, the object of his affection. Right. And that changes things. It does. Um, man, I, I'm an aggressive driver and <laughs> I've been transparent about that. That's I don't want to say it's my one vice, but it is the one that I am <laughs> It's the one it's I the least enjoy. It's the most public and visible, and it's the one I'm the least <laughs> apologetic for because I haven't changed right. in my long years on this planet. Other things I try and be better, be more like Christ. That one, you put me behind the wheel, and there's just no Jesus there. I don't know why, but I'm aggressive, and I'm in a hurry always, even uh-huh. if I have plenty of time. And uh-huh. Man, even just the last couple of days, I'm joking with Nicole, we're driving. I said, did you see that? I let that person in. I mean, we live in New York. New Yorkers don't do that. Right. We just, we don't make eye contact. We don't right. wave. We don't signal what we're uh-huh. going to do. We don't thank someone when they're gracious. We just <laughs> expect it. There's an entitlement and a gruffness right. and you just wiggle your way in where a, a place maybe only a New York rat could fit. You get a whole SUV in there. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a whole thing. I it mean, is a whole if thing. If you haven't watched it, like you got to experience it once in your life. <laughs> so for me to let someone in, cause again, I hate the entitlement and I get so upset. I see these people. I think, why do you think you're so much better than me that you, you're going to take my spot? I've been waiting in this long line. You just drove on the shoulder. You cut in and you think that you deserve to get there faster than I. No. And I get fired up. But, Which gets me fired up, by the way. Nicole's like, you know what? We're going to take two cars. I do not want to put up with this right now. I'm like, what? What did I do to you? She's like, I just, you're messing with my peace right now. So I, I've been letting people in the last few days and it's crazy. I'm like, did you just see that? And I got the surprise of a lifetime two days ago. I let someone in and he broke his neck to nod his head and wave and he mouthed, thank you. 
It was big. Uh, and he had New York license plates. I'm like, <laughs> where are you from? Montana? Or what, what just happened? I, I was shocked. And that, I, I tell you, that just made my day. But that's the kind of thing. That's for James. You talk imagery. I have to see value in the people that mm-hmm. are rude on the road. That's that's the one for me. That When I can do that, everything shifts for me. Mm-hmm. Then I can humanize them. I can see value. It lowers the temperature in my spirit, right. and I can have patience with them. And then I, I find myself praying for them, and that's big. Find whatever your trigger is and address it and attack it, yes. because that might be the thing that's keeping you from loving the people around you, because yes. it's so easy to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, you may think, man, I've got my life together. I read the Bible. I go to church. I witness. I do all these great things. But there's this one thing. For me, it's driving. For you, <laughs> it might be something else, because you're you're better. But... There's something. Identify it. Yeah. And so let's just talk for a minute or two what we are responsible for and what we're not responsible for in this area. And really, I'm going to just look at the first one. Something that we are responsible for is knowing Jesus. What? Yeah. Ah, Right? That's kind of where it starts. What? Because what can we do? Apart from him, we can do nothing. Right. You got to know Jesus. Back to the relationship with Jesus. That's where it all starts. Back to knowing him in the relationship. Yes. It's not about behavior. It's not about how good you are. It's about who you know. Yes. And he's the one you got to know. The second thing is you got to represent Jesus. We're responsible for representing Jesus. Yes. That's what baptism is. You Mm -hmm. you say, I'm on team Jesus. Yep. The the surrender is private. Maybe you did it publicly in front of friends, but it's between you and God. I mean, you're surrendering your life, your ambition, your will in favor of his. You're saying you are, I'm acknowledging you're the Lord. You are the one in charge. I'm not giving you permission to be. I'm just going to stop rejecting the fact that you are, and I'm surrendering the white flag. And that's not in a bad way, like we were adversaries. Mm -hmm. That just means I'm going to stop fighting you. Like we were fighting, it's friendly fire. It's like the one you're supposed to not fight. So that's private. But then baptism is the public like celebration, the public acknowledgement, like, you know, nobody really understands truly the mystery behind just immersing yourself in water. It's all symbolic. Jesus just said, do it. You know, so in faith and trust and obedience, you do it. But I think a big part of it is just to die to your pride. Nobody looks good wet. I'm sorry. (laughs) You might be like a supermodel and you think, man, I come out of the water glistening and you just snap pictures. I should be on the cover of like some magazine. No, you got snot coming out of your nose, your hair product, your lotion, your mascara, everything. You're a mess. So you're surrendering to your pride. But that's the first step in saying, I represent Jesus. I'm washing away my pride. I'm representing him. So first, I got to know him. Two, I got to represent him. Three is I got to share him. And part of that is the baptism story. I'm painting a picture with my actions in my life, but I got to share it with my story slash his story. Because now it's his, right? You've surrendered everything to him. It's not mine anymore. So you have to share Jesus. And so I don't know. What are we not responsible for? Those are a couple of things we are. What are we not responsible for? Oh, we're not responsible for changing people. Mm, I really like that. Yeah. Though. We're uh, messengers, not enforcers. <laughs> oh, that's Do good. I say that a lot or do, do I say that a lot? You do. And that's we're good. messengers, not enforcers. We are not responsible for changing people. We're not Lefty and Louie with the, the, the mob coming to break your legs if you don't obey. <laughs> Correct. And if we could change anything, we change ourselves. Yeah. And we can't even change ourselves, right? We need Jesus for that. Yes. We need Jesus for that. We rely on Jesus for that. Yeah. So we can't change people. So 
don't try to change people. Let God change them. Mm. You just be a representative. You just share Jesus. You know him, you represent him, and you share him. Yeah. That's it. But leave the changing up to God. The second thing, shaming people. What? It is not our responsibility to shame them into submission. Wow. Yeah, I know, right? Crazy. I thought guilt was like a powerful motivator. It sure is for people to hate you. <laughs> for control freaks. <laughs> yes. It's a powerful tool. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It, we do not need to layer on the shame, layer on the guilt, yeah. layer on any of it. Our job is just to share Jesus, let him do the rest. So we don't change people and we don't shame people. Mm. We don't guilt them into accepting Jesus. We don't shame them out of their sin. We let God do all of that. I need to go delete some posts real quick. I'll be back yeah. in a minute. <laughs> and the last thing we're not responsible for, their sin. Yeah. Are not responsible for that. Either I've had a lot of conversations and I get a lot of messages and we get a lot of um, communication. And it's like, oh, this world, our world is so heavy and it's so sinful and it's so disgusting. And we, 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 we. And I'm like, who's we? No, it's not we. We're not responsible for this sin, for their sin. Yeah. We're responsible for our own sin, but not for theirs. It's not a collective sin. Mm. It's not collective. It is their sin. So we need to stop walking around like we're carrying the weight of their sin on our shoulders. Yeah. And we've been set free. Yes. And we need to walk around like that, Mm. not depressed and weary and like the world is on our shoulders. Jesus did that on the cross. He took sin and he took shame on the cross and he's the only one who could even carry it. Yeah. He's the only one who could carry it. He already did that. So we don't need to feel the collective weight of the sin of this world. Yep. We need to walk around victorious, right? And we're not responsible for the decisions of the world or the people around us. Yeah. We're not responsible for that. And God's not going to hold us responsible for that. Mm, Amen. He's not (laughs) going to hold us responsible for it. We can't. Here's the thing. We can't control the world. We can only control what we contribute. Mm, that's good. That's Say it. that again. We can't control the world. We can only control what we contribute. Yeah. That's it. That's it. That's freeing in a way, but it also puts some responsibility squarely back on us. Absolutely. Because it's back to looking in the mirror and what am I doing? Yes. It's easy to deflect and say, look what they're doing. Man, that is so wrong. They need Jesus. Yes. But, oh, what am I doing? What am I doing? (laughs) Correct. How do I drive? Oh, wait. Oh, that hurts. It's too close to home. Right. Right. So, I mean, we can contribute Jesus or we can contribute sin, right? That's right. I mean... We'll all be held accountable for what we do, our own actions, what we contribute. Right. I like that you said that because it's so easy to, again, look at other people. And I think that's a big part of depression and anxiety is it's looking at all these external factors. Right. But we really have to fix what we can fix right. and control what we can control and right. don't sweat the things you can't control. And then the things that are so big that it gives you that anxiety, and I love that you share it all the time. You take them to God. Right. Don't be anxious about it. Pray about everything. Ask God what you you need need. Mm -hmm. and let him take care of it and meet the need. Right. Jesus carried all the sin and all the shame to the cross, Mm -hmm. and that's where it is. That's where he left it. You don't have to carry it around. So how do we live in this world 
and in these evil times, the million dollar question, right? Right. right. <laughs> so uh, I'm just going to read a passage and then we'll just spend the next couple of minutes unpacking it uh, for the remaining time of this episode. Uh, Ephesians chapter six, and I'll just read verses 10 through 17 in the NLT. And here's what it says. A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, Put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in times of evil. Then, after the battle, you'll still be standing firm. I like that. Mm -hmm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. And in addition to all of these... Hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Man, I love that. That's powerful so right there. So good, right? So much. It's so rich just in those couple of verses. It is. It is. You know, God is so good. He has given us answers yes. to all the problems yeah. in the Bible. In the Bible. Yeah. That's why I say know your God, know your enemy. Read your Bible. Crack open the Bible. Read your Bible. Yes. It's in there. It it's is. in there. Uh, what I love to do, you know, I love it. If you follow me, if you are in uh, She Connects on Facebook, the private group, if you're uh, if you're in Mobilize Her or have done any of my studies, you know I love to unpack the scriptures. Yes. They are so powerful. And sometimes we read over them and we're like, cool, cool. That's awesome. We get this little <laughs> boost. But but we don't use it yeah. like we're supposed to. Yeah. When we sit in it for a moment, when we take time to really read it and see what it says. So, so let's just start with verse 11. Put on all of God's armor so you'll be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. Okay, so here's the thing. Know your enemy. Mm. What does it tell us right away that he's strategic? Yes. He's smart. He's been watching humanity for the beginning of time. He knows our pitfalls. He knows what we fall for. He knows how to manipulate. He knows all the things. And God's like, hey, I know this about him. Now you know this about him. So here's what you can do. Here's what you can do to stand strong, right? Put on God's armor. I love it so clear. It's not just armor. God's armor. Yeah. God's armor. That's powerful. Yeah. Not your own armor, not man-made armor, but armor like sculpted by God? Mm -hmm. Please, please. <laughs> and then the enemy thinks he still has a chance. That's hilarious, right? Put on. And it says so that you'll be able to stand firm. Now, stand firm, um, you know, we can have this good mental image of what it means, but what it means is immovable, mm. planted. I mean, that means you're not moving. Yeah. You're not moving. I, I uh, Not too long ago, I did a post that says, prayer tells the enemy he's going to have to go through God to get to you. Mm. And God doesn't move, right? Mm -hmm. And he's telling us, you're wearing God's armor. Stand still. Don't move an inch. Don't let him think he can move you. Yeah. Don't flinch. You don't have to. You're wearing God's armor. Don't flinch. Stand strong. Stand immovable. Stand planted against all the strategies 
of the devil. And that's a perfect answer even to the question that we started with yeah. uh, that Anita and Michelle posed and, mm-hmm. and really so many others. Uh, how, how do you how do you do this when it seems like the enemy and culture is taking ground every day? Right. And as people of faith, we're losing ground. I, I love that we've been given a tool mm-hmm. that, it, it, I mean, it states it right there. Right. You're not going to lose ground. You can right. stand firm. Right. And they can't push you back. I mean, that's right. that's encouraging to me right there. Right. I also posted recently that God's not worried about what's happening. He's not concerned about what's happening in the world. He's what's he's concerned about what's happening in your heart mm. because of what's happening in the world. Mm-hmm. And I got a little bit of pushback on that one. God is concerned. Of course he's concerned. <laughs> but what I'm saying is as a Christian, he's saying, I know what's happening out there. Yes. But what I'm concerned about is your heart. How is what's happening out there affecting you? Yes. How is it affecting your faith? How is it affecting your relationship with me? How is it affecting your fear? Yes. How is it affecting you? Yeah. And God's concerned about that. He knows there's always, there always has been, and there always will be evil in the world. And believe it or not, he's got his hand on it. He, he's holding back some of the evil because one day he's going to lift it, and we're going to see how much yeah. God has been holding it back. He's got that. He's yes. got that. What he's concerned about is our hearts. Mm-hmm. And we see in this passage here in Ephesians 6, 10 through 17, that's what he's telling us. He's saying the enemy's strategic. He's always going to come against you. So let me give you some things. Let me give you some armor. Mm -hmm. And what I love about it is the armor, most of all, except for one piece, protects the body, right? It protects the body. Only one piece do we fight back with. Mm -hmm. So God's like, I've got you head to toe, head to toe. And I'm also not going to leave you defenseless defenseless. I'm going to put a weapon in your hand as well. Mm. But it continues, it goes on, for we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Again, that goes back to everything we've just said. We're not fighting with people. We're actually fighting for them. Mm. It's not our battleground. It's our mission field. That changes everything, doesn't it? Changes everything. It's not our battleground. That's our mission field. Yeah. You see it that way, it changes everything. We're not fighting with them. We're fighting for them. Yes. For them. But, but we are fighting against evil rulers and authorities in the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world. So, yes, the enemy is at work, but he's saying, keep your eye on the spiritual. Mm-hmm. I'll take care of the earthly. Keep your eye on the spiritual because that spiritual is attacking you. And I'm concerned about you. Yeah. I love how much he equips us as a person. We're always so concerned about the big picture. And he's like, focus on your own home. <laughs> focus on your temple. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry about the rest. Yes. Focus on you. <clears throat> so uh, so it says we have fight against rulers and authorities in the world, mighty powers in this dark world against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So you better be praying. You better have a relationship with God. You better be hand in hand with God. You better be walking with him because there are evil forces out there. And I I saw a quote one time and said, if you're not praying about it, do you really care about it? (laughs) Do you really care about it? Yeah. If you're not praying about it, if you're not talking to God, do you really care? So verse 13, therefore, put on every piece of armor, put on every piece of armor so you'll be able to resist. Resist means to stand against, to stand your ground. Again, it's reinforcing what it's already told us, right? Because we needed to hear it. We need to hear it a couple of times before we yes. do things, right? I'm slow. Yeah. <laughs> stand against, stand your ground. Then after the battle, you'll still be standing 
firm. Again, it says it, verse 14, stand your ground, be immovable, don't fall for the things of the world, don't fall for the schemes of the enemy, don't follow the world, mm-hmm. stand your ground in your faith. That's why we said faith is so important, reading your Bible and relationship with God is so important, because that's the ground you're standing on. Yeah. That's the foundation you're standing on, right? Put on the belt of truth. What is the question and what is like the trigger word these days? What is your truth? <laughs> oh, that's like a trigger word for me, that truth, you know, mm-hmm. because it is, as always, the enemy just manipulates Speak your everything. Truth, girl. Uh, the enemy manipulates everything. He yeah. started in Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. What did he come up with? Big bang, evolution, right? He made man and woman. What did the enemy come up with? Or not. <laughs> How about all these other ones out there? Right, he says, I, "I my rainbow was a promise." What did the enemy do with the rainbow? So he takes every single thing God puts in place and he disassembles it. Yeah, and now he's after truth. So he said, "Put on the belt of truth." What is truth? It's not what; it's who. Mm. God is truth. In the beginning was the word, and the word is with God, and the word is God. God is truth. The mm-hmm. word of God is our truth. He says. Know your Bible, read your Bible. That's where you're going to find your truth, right? And then the body armor of God's righteousness. We just talked about that. What is righteousness? Right Right standing. Right standing, right living. Doing right for God. Doing it right, right. Doing the right thing. That's what righteousness is. For shoes, put on peace that comes from the good news. What is the good news? And that's the salvation, right? Mm -hmm. That's the salvation message of Jesus so that you'll be fully prepared because he comes after our salvation, our mind all the time. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith. Hold up your shield of faith. That's your core beliefs right there. That's your core beliefs in God. Mm -hmm. What he says about you, what he says to you, what he says about our world, what he says about himself. You got to know God. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You got to know God and read your Bible. (laughs) Have Mm -hmm. a relationship with God. But he says to hold it up. Yeah. Man, that takes some strength, right? Yeah. That takes some, uh, it also takes a lot of, you have to be deliberate about it. It's not just going to happen. Mm-hmm. You have to work at that to stop the fire arrows of the devil. Put on your salvation, your salvation, put on salvation as your helmet. And that's the one thing that we're always wearing. Once you accept Jesus, that salvation helmet is on. It is fixed and it is there to stay and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, mm. which is the word of God. Read your Bible. Have I said that enough, do you think? Maybe a time or two you've mentioned it. <laughs> Read your Bible. <laughs> God is not asking you to fight with people. He's mm. not asking us to fight with people. He's telling us not to follow them because they're being led by the enemy. Yeah. And the enemy has us in his sights. He has you in his sights. He wants you to follow the crowd, go with the flow, and be led by the blind, which is why God gave us this scripture and tells us exactly what to do and tells us over and over and over, stand your ground. Yes. And stand your ground doesn't mean getting out there and fighting with people. It doesn't mean yelling and screaming over social media. It doesn't mean insulting and shaming people. What it means is know your God and stand firm in that. Don't give an inch in your beliefs. Yes. Don't give an inch in your faith. He's talking about you personally. You're responsible for your faith. Yes. That's what he's talking about. He's not saying change everybody and make sure everybody is just like you. 
He's saying, you make sure you stay like me. Yes. You stay like me and don't budge. Don't give an inch. And that's how we stand in these times, in these evil times. And we underestimate the power of right living and doing these things in the eyes of people who are seeking truth. Yeah. That's representing Jesus. That's why he says, be a witness Mm -hmm. to these things that I have taught you and that Mm -hmm. you've experienced and seen. When an unbelieving world sees that in our lives, they find it unbelievable. And then Peter says, always be prepared to give an account for the reason you have this joy, this faith, and this confidence. Yes. That's the key. And don't underestimate it. I mean, there's a place for apologetics and defending your faith, but there's another component that God uses in such a powerful way when you just do the right thing for the right reason, that can be attractive. Coupled with faith and the Holy Spirit drawing people and lowering their defenses and breaking through Mm -hmm. the lies of the enemy, Mm -hmm. we can actually start to take some ground. We can start to see people's lives and eternities changed. Absolutely. That's powerful, and I think that's what it's all about. And I think that was the heart and motivation behind the question, Mm -hmm. is how do we be effective? How do we reach the people that Mm -hmm. are in such opposition to the things that we believe? Mm -hmm. And hopefully these tools give you some confidence in what you probably already knew. And I, I love that we've had the opportunity and the privilege to kind of unpack them, peel back some of the layers, and hopefully give you some handles. And so one of the things that we would always love for you to do is listen to this, subscribe to this, but share it. Use this as another tool. I mean, we're quick to say, invite people to church, give them a track, give them an invite card, give them a gift of a Bible. All those things are fantastic. Give them other tools, give them explanations that you're finding helpful. Maybe this is going to be exactly the answer to what someone else is questioning. So share it. Use the tool on social media. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcast, Amazon Music, um, Pandora. So many of the social media platforms. You can find this podcast on mobilized.life, on nicolechavez.com. Click it. Hit the share button. Send it to a friend. Say, hey, give this a listen. Tell me what you think. And then discuss it with them. But utilize the tool. That's our greatest privilege as teachers of God's Word mm-hmm. is when people are able to grab these tools, use them, and we get to see the effects and the transformation as a result. So Absolutely. we would be so blessed if you would do that. Thank you for listening and being a part of this. We're going to continue to unpack some of the questions that you've mm-hmm. been sharing on social media in the upcoming episodes. So make sure you have subscribed. Did Aaron yeah. say that? Yeah. Subscribe, subscribe. Subscribe. The next one we're going to talk about is church hurt. Ooh. Church hurt. That never happens. No, never. We're perfect. We the church are. is perfect. Churches People are, are perfect. perfect. Yeah, you we're Christians. In, no hypocrisy, no hurt, None. no pain. I don't know why anyone would have church hurt. <laughs> what happens when the pastor lets you down? What happens when the pastor has an affair, is addicted to something, when they publicly, quote unquote, fall, when we start to feel like we're losing faith in our pastors so we lose faith in God? What? That doesn't mm-hmm. make sense, but it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to discuss these things and give you some steps and some tools on how to heal, but also how to see it, uh, how God sees it. And yes. uh, there's some phenomenal scriptures in the Bible that walks us through this. Mm-hmm. It is there, and we're excited to share it with you uh, in our next episode. So make sure you join us. We cannot wait. Thanks for being a part. Nicole, thank you. Yeah, I absolutely. enjoyed doing I love this, this with you. I love this. It is so fantastic. I hope you were blessed as well, and we will see you for the next episode of the Mobilized Podcast. We hope you were encouraged and challenged by today's podcast. 
be sure to subscribe to the Mobilized YouTube page and follow us on social media at mobilized.life on Instagram and at livemobilized on Facebook. For more information and ways to connect, visit our website at mobilized.life.